1: Welcome, everybody, to the Monday RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson, Chris Liss here. It is sponsored by winbet.com. Please uh, bet in the six states that you are allowed to bet in winbet, and, win bet and uh, hopefully more will open up. But we thank them for their uh, sponsorship. We'll tell you how to do it a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Chris, today is uh, going to be, we're going to have some evergreen content, but it's newsy first. Uh, the evergreen content is how we get the, what's behind the RotoWire wide receiver pass and, and tight end rankings. But the news is Aaron is Aaron Rodgers. You know, life comes at us pretty fast here.
2: Yeah. Before we start, Jeff, though, you know, I want to make sure that people know that I'm a man of my word and I was telling the truth on the XM show. So here's the box of cigars that I got uh, for free. And uh, look at this. This is like a very, uh, a very fancy cigar. I wasn't lying. I got some other ones here. Gave me a couple of boxes. So um, that was for real what I said I today it. in the show. Living your best life. I really am. And uh so thanks to Brad for hooking me up. Um, so yeah, this Rogers news happened. Um, it, you know, you and I kind of poo it on the show because we thought, you know, this is you know, a big deal. There's Ian Rappaport. Just... It was
1: Rappaport. Let's be
2: honest. We're just, doubting rappaport. Just saying he, the same was... thing he says every time, you know, oh, you know, there's no pl- there's plans. He doesn't plan to miss the season. We hope it works out, you know, just that platitudinous, you know, nonsense, uh, but it looks like it is real that they're just finalizing details. And uh, so I moved Devonte Adams up to my number one receiver above Tyreek Hill. And I moved uh, Aaron Jones from 13 to nine. So I have him right behind Barkley and ahead of uh, Najee Harris. Okay. I,
1: I can get down with that. And you know, the thing is, it sounds like it's a the, agreeing to make this the last dance. And that's what that tweet was all about or uh, or Instagram. I forget what, if it was what medium he used to do that, but, uh, communicate that, but he was just trying to say that this year will be their last time together. Basically. And that was the deal that they're working out. Uh, and that way he gets a sweet, sweet freedom after this, uh, the Packers get to use Jordan love.
2: Yeah. I, I think that is good. Right. I mean, they didn't seem to have a great plan when they drafted love. It was sort of like right. Rogers looks like he's on the decline. Let's get his replacement. And it didn't really go well. And I, I think that like, um, Having it a, a structure where you're like, oh, we can trade him if we want. He can get his freedom, and we can develop love after that, and have it be sort of set is is smart, right? I mean, the the way they did it was just kind of haphazard before. Now they have a structure. Both sides can be happy, and they can you know make it work.
1: Yeah, that's right. And so you know it changes everything. You know the the person that got uh, Aaron Rodgers. Remember Friday? I mean, we just go back to Friday. The sports books all took the Packers things off the off line offline all their futures bets, and everyone was like, does that mean he's retiring? Pro Football Weekly came out with something about that. Um, uh, I I kind of bought into it a little bit. I took Tannehill over Rodgers,
2: but now that would be lunacy. I don't think it's lunacy. I mean, you got to remember what Rodgers was before last year. He was not yeah, good okay. for like five years. And obviously last year, I mean, it's the same offense from last year, and he's got his same guys back. So probably – I would take I have Rodgers ahead of Tannehill, but I I mean it's he's not a way ahead of him. I think we have to regress Rogers pretty significantly from last year.
1: That's a fair point. But point is I would take Rodgers over Tannehill. Uh, yeah, what I know now. And things change pretty quickly. Adams, he didn't really, you know, he didn't fade in every draft. He faded in some, you know, where he'd go to the end of the second round. He'd go at the back of that first uh, group of wide receivers. And then there some regression that could probably be built in for him too, especially on the touchdown side of things.
2: Yeah. I I think uh, you got to regress him a bit. I mean, he was on basically pace for the all time PPR wide receiver season. And I think that's, you can't project anyone for that, but again, it's the same offense. It's the second year. uh, It's his third year in that offense. And uh, you know, he's a little older, but he's still in his prime. He's healthy. So I, I moved him up to 14 touchdowns as a projection, which is incredibly high for a receiver. Now it's a 17-game season, but still, like you never project a receiver for 14 touchdowns. It's like projecting a pitcher for 20 wins.
1: I was just going to say, that, that's like projecting Clayton Kershaw for 18, 19 wins, if not 20, and there you go. So that's really funny. Um, okay, so now that we know that that's in, in place, how about any of the other small parts there? Uh, are you bumping up Tunyon? Back up at all?
2: I did bump him a little. I, I'm still down on him. He had 11 touchdowns on like 52 catches, which is just ridiculous. So, but I did bump him up to like 15th. I had him at like 19th. I was like the lowest in the industry on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bumped him up. I bumped, as I said, I bumped up Aaron Jones to nine. I think that you know it's it's full, you know it's full go. It's like he's a good running back who catches passes in what should be a top seven NFL offense. If it's like last year's, the number was I think it was the number one offense. So. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Jones gets moved up. I didn't really move up AJ Dillon because I didn't really think Rodgers was that important to him. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's uh, you know, I, don't expect last year. Rodgers won MVP last year, and the schedule was super easy, especially the passing right. game schedule. So it'll you got to regress that. I mean, Devont, Devontae Adams is not going to be on a per game basis. Um, he's I don't, don't want to say anywhere close, but he's not going to be. There's going to be substantial drop off from last year's per game pace. But yet he's still my number one receiver.
1: I think I I think those two things statements can exi- coexist coexist. Um, final part of this equation: there is some talk that part of the deal with Rodgers and the Packers is that they'd go back and get Randall Cobb, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like Randall Cobb's that important to him, but you know he doesn't really have a slot receiver. And the the Texans went out and acquired Anthony Miller. We're talking about oh why would they get Miller if they've got Cobb in the slot right. already and Kiki QT. Well, here you go. Maybe that's why.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like, man, if you have Kiki Q T, why would you even improve? There's just right. no reason. <laughs> you have Randall Cobb. Oh my God, why would you even consider bringing in anyone else? Um, but it's Anthony Miller. How is that right, an improvement? Right, that's no, the I know, I know, I no, it makes sense that you know it's it's not that they're good. It's that they're two guys who do the same thing, and so why not? Uh, uh, maybe it's a precursor to moving Cobb as soon as the Rogers deal is finalized. It's hard to get excited about Cobb. He's thir- he's gonna be 31 in August and. It's been a while since he was particularly relevant. He was pretty good on the Cowboys that one year, but uh, but you never know. I mean, they don't. You're right. They don't have a slot receiver. It's such a weird team. You have Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the greatest players of all time. I mean, you might mm-hmm. not think. You know, people differ on this, but like he's a top ten or fifteen player of all time, and you just couldn't get him a you know a basic slot receiver for all this year since you know since Cobb left. You couldn't get him a better deep threat than Marquez Valdez Scantling. I mean, it's just incredible the neglect that they've had. Right. And, and, and a lot of people are dumping on Rogers. Oh, he's a baby. He's a, you know, whiner. But as we said on the XM show, like, I think I saw something where he uh, was like Higgins, Ayuk, and Justin Jefferson were the receivers he liked from last year's draft. And they go in, and they draft a quarterback in the first round, and a third string running back in the second round in a year where they lost narrowly to Tampa in the NFC championship game, gave Tampa a better game than the chiefs did. And you wonder if there were a couple pieces that were useful for this year for last year, you know, maybe they win the whole thing. So I, I think like crapping on Rodgers for being annoyed at the situation is, is you're not really looking at the whole picture. And and then in defense of the GM um, Rodgers hadn't been Rogers for five years. So right. how did he, how did he know, you know, not to go get another quarterback. I think that the second round pick was kind of indefensible, even if AJ Dylan turns out to be good. Um, that one to take a running back a year early when they had jamal williams when you could have got a receiver seems a little crazy
1: and a third round like h back slash quasi tight end who barely played and uh, also they wasted yeah. second and third round picks to go with that there and yet they are still awesome and they returned some x number of starters and all that so wild stuff there uh so the other bit of news before we get into the process of and, and results of ranking the pass catchers is michael thomas officially placed on the pup list now uh we we kind of just solidify it's the preseason public. So it doesn't, that's not really the news. The news though, is it broke Friday. You know, he had surgery in in June for that ankle injury. It's a 12 to 16 week recovery. 16 weeks is going to put you square into October before you're really back. He's going to expect to miss the first week, first month of the season. And who knows what he's going to be like afterward. That's a big fancy draft shaping injury.
2: Yeah, I, I was saying this on the XM show, but like they couldn't have told us about this in June. Like they had to wait a month, month and a half before they, you know, luckily I didn't draft him, so good. Thank you for not telling us it hurt people I'm playing against, but what a raw deal. I mean, they, they knew yeah. that this had happened. Uh, I you know, I don't know. I don't know if reporters should be asking more questions, or it's so out of the blue. You you know, you you don't know there's maybe someone else who has a, a surgery and we don't even know who it is. We don't know even know who to ask about. But what is I mean? How pissed are you if you drafted him, you know, two weeks ago and in the third round? And you're like, this was already out there. He had already had the surgery. You were drafting sort of like, you know, a guy, you know, a guy who was already out till November. And, And it was it was known by people in the organization. It just wasn't known by you. Right. Well, I think
1: teams have a vested interest in not letting thing, letting the public know. Uh, you know, and it sucks. But you know, what if they're trying to go acquire another wide receiver? They don't want to keep their options open at the very least, right? So they don't tell anybody. Oh, we're going to be without Thomas. You know, we're going to go add another wide receiver in, in the trade market. If someone gets you know released, or if they, it's just you know, there's you know, it you know, there's another Antonio Brown like situation. You know, maybe get them a, an extra round cheaper. Uh, because of that because no one knows that you absolutely need them i mean i think it's like one of those things I, I i get it but the saints are so you know salary cap crushed anyhow that it's probably unlikely that they'd ever be involved in something like that but so i i, I understand and plus the reporters aren't hanging around they're not there you know right. it's camps are done it was there was a june mini camp it was he is like i think he even showed up for that and then he was he was going to get examined after that oh well he needed surgery sorry we didn't tell you guys but here it is now. It's training camps about to report. We're gonna we're telling you now. Uh, and that's they're just gonna, the way they're it gonna works. put
2: these reporters out of a job though, because like that's the inside access that reporters have that people like us don't, right? Like that mm-hmm. we just we can anyone can look at news, look at data, make you know calls. But these guys, they know the team, they're with the team. They know why was Michael Thomas not practicing all through minicamp? Why was or maybe he was. For all I know, why was this guy absent? What you know, what's going on with this? I, I talked to the coach. I that's you know, they're supposed to get that stuff out. And you're right, there is a, a slight competitive advantage if you're trying to make a trade or a signing, and, and they don't know how desperate you really are. But like, you know, that's the kind of thing that reporters get to slip out because it's not like that important, right? It wouldn't be like crushing to their season if people knew that Michael Thomas were out. It's just a a bit of information. Maybe they prefer to keep quiet. Um, but anyway, I just you know, that's. Man, I don't know. I'm I'm pissed if I'm you know if I've drafted him in the third round that 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 existed for six weeks and nobody right. knew about it.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, so that that's that that's huge, earth-shaking uh, 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 news here for us. Thomas went 8.9 in my Friday night beat Jeff Erickson draft, and I think that's even lower now. If I if I were to bet, I think we're still learning the extent of the injury on Friday. By now, we know. It's might it's, it could be November or December before he's at full speed. You know, it, you know, at, at the very least a full month is off. You, I, I wouldn't take a guy in the eighth round when I know him, I'm not going to get him for a full month. You never know what he's going to be like when he comes back. It's the old PNL principle.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. But you know, you're in the eighth round and if you get two months of him, if you get eight good weeks, like Michael Thomas weeks. Now, of course there's a new QB too. It's not just, right. he's already had, you know, it wasn't like he's the number one guy and he's going to be himself hundred percent. November 1st, and you're like, great, I'll take it. Um, We don't really know if he's going to be himself, and we don't know who he is without Breeze. So there's two big variables. Now, he did have a couple good games in the couple games that he wasn't hurt last year with Taysom Hill. So he was still really good. He got his, uh, even with Hill. And the question is, is he going to be completely healthy and nobody really knows? I mean, this is something from last year, and and here we are going into this season. I mean, why wasn't this taken care of in January? You know, I mean, I, I think... Maybe it was Stefani Bell. Somebody said that like some of these guys, like they feel fine in the offseason, and then they you know do their workouts and their offseason stuff, and then they really start ramping up to full speed, and they realize, uh-oh, this isn't right. So sometimes they have these late surgeries. But assuming he's fine and himself, even with Hill or Winston, whoever it is, and say November 1st, you know, like he misses September, he misses part of October, he rehabs in the second half of October, November 1st, he's himself. Eighth round is great. Because you're getting, you know, arguably a a second round type of guy uh, in in PPR that can win your league and your playoffs for you. And, you know, in your 10 man bench NFFC, you just, you know, you you had room to stash him the whole year. Now, if you're in a six man bench, forget it. Don't draft him, cross him off the list. It's not worth it. Um, But in a deeper bench league, I can see it. I probably take him more like ninth or 10th. But there's a point where I'll take him, you know, because... You, you're, he may not be himself, but if he is, I mean, how many of your 10th round picks pan out? I mean, they're they're routinely just total waste. Right. And you know, you have to wait a bit, but the payoff is pretty big.
1: Yeah. And, and not to uh, totally, uh, you know, take down uh, my opponent's uh, pick there. Uh, Cause like where he was taken, the next receiver is LaVisca Chanot, Hollywood Brown, Will Fuller, Michael Pittman is me. Uh, I take all those guys probably over, Thomas, but I, I look at your rankings, at least the PPR rankings we have on the site, according to your projections, which we've talked about projections before, and right. you know, take those with appropriate grain of salt. But you know, I you have them over like Curtis Samuel, Brandon Cooks, Antonio Brown. At least of the projections have them there. I should move Brown up. I
2: would take Brown ahead of him. I, I actually think Brown
1: I would um, take Cooks. I take Brown, I take Tyler Boyd, I take Michael Gallup all over him. Um I'd also take Pittman. I'd probably take I'd probably take Chanel also. I probably would not take Traquan Smith. Gallup's a 50-50 call for me.
2: Yeah, I don't love Gallup. I don't know. You know, Amari Cooper's hurt, though. And right. If he were out, Gallup would get interesting. It's hard to be the clear number three, uh, and then we don't know what Jarwin's going to do, and that that you know might be the number four. Gallup's good. You know, he's like in a 16-game season. He's like 100 targets, good efficiency. But without an injury, it's it's just – it's hard to get excited about someone like that unless you're in a league that starts like four flexes or, you know, it just goes really deep. Ben Gallup's really interesting because he's he's got a good floor, but I'm not really in on him. in you know, these most of the formats.
1: Yeah, I, I'd say that's right. Um, so, OK, uh, now that we've covered that uh, before we get into just discussing how you're going about your rankings. A quick note from our sponsor, Winbet. There's one thing we appreciate here at Roto-Wire. It's making good de- decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, Winbet, the Premier Digital Casino and Sportsbook app. Winbet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's Fantasy Podcasts. Winbet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money-line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and, and a lot much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into Winbet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette. Double down in blackjack, slam the slots. That's what Chris likes to do. And try your yeah, hand at Baccarat. At baccarat, No, actually, that's what you're – you're more of a Baccarat guy. You got your, your – No, I slam the slots. On. I slam okay. the slots. All right, right good. I'll Unfortunately, you, can, you can't do it right now. It's Winbet's only available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, but it's rapidly expanding. At Winbet, the possibilities are limitless – Winbet is currently offering all Rotowire listeners a risk-free bet up to 500 dollars on your first wager. Download Winbet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Winbet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's Fantasy podcast. Jeff Erickson and Chris Liss here. We're trying to uh we, we kind of covered some news items, but let's let's kind of head into the more of the meatier topic here. How you go about your rankings? We covered quarterbacks and, r- and running backs last week, plus just the general process. But wide receivers—that's like the first thing I feel like you do every year. You do the write-ups for the magazine every year. All the, like the all the outlooks for the top wide receivers, the fantasy-friendly wide receivers. That's your work. You're doing that work.
2: Yeah, I've done it for like 20 years. You know, sometimes I've written other sections, but I always write the wide receiver section. So I've just looked at them a long time, and you know which guys are the kinds of wide receivers you want to take. What kinds of players make big improvements year over year. What kind of guys just don't seem to have it? Um, so yeah, I I like doing the receivers. It's uh I think they're the most dynamic position. You know, running back is just opportunity. Um, receivers actually have to get open. You know, they have to you know, the the running back, you you just decide to hand them the ball and and that they get a play. But the receiver, there's just so much more involved, so many more different skills involved in getting target share and in making the most of your target share. And uh I think it's the uh The one I, I guess the one I chose to keep writing.
1: Yeah. and so, you know, what's the, the thing you look at for first, what's, what's the one trait if there is one that you look for first in a wide receiver, is it speed? Is it, you know, is it speed plus height? What, what, uh, you know, when you're looking to say like, okay, this guy's got the juice, this is the guy I really want to
2: make sure I get this year. What's what, what jumps off the page for you? Well, I mean, I used to like the size speed guys. And then barring that just the speed guys, but I've kind of gotten away from that. And um, I've been sort of like forced kicking, and screaming to acknowledge the route running skill guys without any special physical skills. I mean, Devonte Adams is like pretty strong. He's like six feet, six, one two, 15. So he's very dense.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and weight is actually correlated more with wide receiver production than height. So Adams is not, he doesn't, he's not big in the sense that he's like six, four, but he's strong and he's physical and he's, you know, obviously a very good red zone receiver and guys like Hopkins, right? Like Hopkins is slow. He's just got a slightly above average size. He's not big, uh, but he's just incredibly skilled. And Michael Thomas was that guy before he got hurt and six, uh, two, but slow Keenan Allen, six, two, but slow. Um, and, and when I say slow, I don't mean Jeff Erickson slow. I mean slow, you know, for NFL wide receivers. And uh and I normally
1: I'd be insulted by that, but it's so darn true.
2: I yeah. am slow. I'm really slow. Am and slow. you know, we're talking about NFL players, you know, I'm slow, yeah. you know, in the NFL. I'm fast in real life.
1: I'm slow for I'm slow for like real life. You're I, slow I'm for real life.
2: I'm fast yeah. for real life, but I'm not even I'm not even slow for the NFL. I couldn't even be, you know, you know, NFL, these are NFL freaks. But the point is relative to receivers, these guys are slow. And but they're just technicians. They have good hands that they, uh, they earn the trust of their quarterbacks. And so, you know, I, I started to look at just like skill. Um, Jarvis Landry's is a guy I would draft, even though he's uh, really slow and smaller than even those guys. Uh, because for some reason he had this uh, superpower of getting targeted, no matter what, now last year he lost that power a little bit, but no matter what Jarvis Landry would get targeted. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like who do the quarterbacks trust can these guys just make sort of the routine plays and get open, move the chains? And in our PPR landscape and in the modern NFL, where, you know, most of the top guys in the list are like Adams Hopkins types, they're not Tyreek Hills. Tyreek Hill is a a very good receiver, but he's also really explosive. That's the kind of guy I was drafting all the time. I still have him at number two, but it's Adams Hopkins, those guys um, that also, you know, you have to just look for skills. Now, if you can get both, if you can get DK Metcalf, or A.J. Brown, that's amazing. You get a guy who's incredibly physically talented and skilled, now you've got the home run. The problem with A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf is they don't get as many targets as, say, Adams uh, and Hopkins. But if D.K. Metcalf were assured the same number of targets as Adams, I would take D.K. Metcalf over him 10 times out of 10 or the same amount of targets as Hopkins. I don't. I think he'll get 130, 540, uh, or whatever the prorated 17-game version of that is, But I would still bet on Adams and Hopkins to get more. And so I have those guys slightly ahead.
1: You know, and I'd argue that the basic play is more skilled than we realize. You know, the, you know, that just the move the chains catch. I I think getting open is such a huge skill. It's a skill in and of itself that route running, just the little subtle things a player will do to get open. Uh, Justin Jefferson's shown that he's got that ability to be able to do that at full speed. I think that without giving away your route ahead of time, I think these are the things that I think that. Sometimes those, you know, you know, are, are underappreciated. or that we we don't extol those virtues as much. I think they're starting to get extolled a little bit more as we're starting to see that. And that's why you see someone like that. That's why you see, you know, Jarvis Landry probably has it. The other thing Jarvis Landry has is I think he's really tough. Plays through a lot of injuries. Makes catches in traffic. You know, those sort of things. Those are the things. You know, that that's what gets quarterbacks to trust you.
2: Yeah, Landry's extremely tough. Never misses games. Um that, that actually yeah, probably does make a difference. And I agree. Like you know, Torrey Holt was the first receiver. It's probably happened again since then to have four straight 1300 yard seasons. And they said about him, you know, he wasn't like the fastest guy and he wasn't that big, but he, he could just change directions at full speed. And, you know, that's the kind of skill where it makes it very hard to cover you if you don't have to slow down to change directions. So there is probably aspects like that, that aren't, you know, they don't show up in the combine. I mean, maybe the, the cone drill or something, you know, who knows what drills simulate that. But in the end, like a lot of these guys are just really good at football. And so you have a guy like Nicole Hardman, who's the number two receiver ostensibly in KC and he's fast. He's with Patrick Mahomes and you think got to get him. But I was, I was in on Hardman last year and maybe this is the year he develops, but maybe, you know, that's the flip side. Like maybe he doesn't have, he might not have the football skill to be great. He may develop it, but we haven't seen it yet. And So I try to look for that also now, you know, just the sort of football skill. And it's not like I'm a scout. I just, I watch players. Obviously, I watch as many games as I can, but I also just try to, you know, trust production, right? Why is this guy getting 158 targets every year? Why is Keenan Allen, who's slow and very inefficient last year, why does he keep getting targeted? Whether it's Herbert or Rivers, well, for some reason, the quarterback trusts him, right? And the quarterback's seeing him every single day. So there must be something to that.
0: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Right. And it's funny, I was just about to bring up Keenan Allen because he represents one other point I wanted to make. And sometimes I think we get worried about uh, red zone targets, red zone touches. I, you know, and you should uh, for the guys that aren't massive target hogs. But the fact is Allen is a target hog. If he doesn't get the goal line touches, if he doesn't get the receptions, he's still going to have value. I like to try to find the guys that don't need to score touchdowns to have value for you. I mean, if you, if you score double digit touchdowns, great. That's awesome. But you don't want, I, I, I feel like there's a trap in finding those guys that, Oh, well, he, he's going to get all these red zone looks. And that's, even though he only gets 90 targets, I'm going to still want them, you know, and the, the problem is sometimes those targets, you know, the, the red zone targets don't always follow. You want, you know, do you want to avoid the touchdown dependent guys? I think that's the, the point I'm trying to make.
2: Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, like Devontae Adams is touchdown dependent. I mean, he's not only touchdown dependent. He's but, not.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, he is. I mean, because he's not going to make a lot of big plays. So he's never going to be the league leader in yardage, but okay. in, P- in PPR, he's going to get a lot of catches, but He's touchdown dependent, but you can depend on his touchdowns. <laughs> you know, it's like you can count on them because Rodgers loves to throw in close. Adams is a very good red zone guy, and you know when they're down there, they're always throwing to Adams. Like he laps the league in red zone targets and inside the ten targets. So, you, it's like he's touchdown dependent, but you can depend on that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It, when it was Deshaun Jackson scoring nine touchdowns one year, you know those those deep guys. Who knows? I think you could kind of count on Tyree Kill's touchdowns too, even though he's a deep guy, because. He's just so good and Mahomes is so good. So I, I think it's okay to count on that. I think DK Metcalf's another one that I I count on double digit touchdowns from him. Uh he's just such a monster that he's gonna do it. Even AJ Brown didn't even get that many red zone looks and still had a lot of touchdowns. So I, I think all those guys you can count on. I think you get, you know, a little you, you can get a little nervous when you're counting on the uh the more, you know, guys in the twenty to thirty range who had a bunch of, you know, Chase Claypool, although he's a very Big fast guy, I'd be nervous about Claypool getting that many touchdowns again.
1: Sure, uh, I understand. And that that is a guy I was kind of looking at there as, as a, perhaps an example of that uh, concept. There, uh, how, mu- how important do you, uh, uh, base like have you know systems like friends? Oh, let me rephrase it team context. Like, would you rather have a better offense but has three good receivers? We'll call them like, say, Dallas, for instance, and like CD Lamb versus maybe a lesser offense where you know you've got the guy
2: well i've got Allen robinson at 10 and cd lamb at 14 so that's there you go that's a good answer right that's a good comparison so, so robinson i think could lead the nfl in targets mm-hmm. um i you know they just traded anthony miller darnell mooney was a fifth round pick or sixth round pick last year that's really it right and cole commits the tight end i mean is he going to be good maybe who knows um they have some backs they'll throw to tariq cohen Damon Williams, but it's, you know, Allen Robinson could get like, you know, 180 targets. Uh, and so that to me, that's the only game in town. He's good. The quarterbacks are not good, uh, but they could be better than last year's, which he's never played with a good quarterback. I know Ted Bell will have his feelings hurt that I don't consider Blake Burrell's a good quarterback, but I think he'll be okay. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, he's, to me, that's, you know, that that's a classic example. And, and I'm, you know, I like Lamb, but you're right. There's, there's three guys there. Now, if Cooper goes down, Lamb could then lead the NFL in targets and then, you know, he could be a top five receiver easily. Right.
1: And the counter argument is maybe Lamb's playing a lot more in the slot. Maybe he's facing lesser corners. He's not facing double teams because Cooper's Cooper is back. I mean, that's always the the push and pull, you know? Oh yes. This, I, I'm going to be getting all these targets uh, because, because my the other guy on the other side is down. But I'm also going to be drawing double coverage and all the Jalen Ramseys of the world. Now, there's only one Jalen Ramsey. I think that's the good counter. But uh, you're drawing the top cover corner every single week, and you're often drawing uh, double coverage. Um, I guess it's a question of how skilled is that player at beating double coverage or beating that top cover corner?
2: Yeah. I mean, and also some teams, you know, do some pre snap motion. They get a guy off the corner by putting him in motion, and it's hard to travel with somebody. I remember Ramsey was guarding uh, Devontae Adams in the playoff game, and he got kind of picked off of. Uh, Adams with motion Adams caught a touchdown and Ramsey was pissed because, you know, he was shutting him down uh, and he got, you know, Adams got away with it by moving pre-snap. And I think that, uh, that there's some of that and there is some of, you know, can you beat double coverage? Uh, do you have somebody to take some heat off of you? Uh, you know, I don't know if, if the reason Juju Smith-Schuster stopped being a superstar was because Antonio Brown left, but I thought Juju was going to be a star. He was so good his first couple of years. And then uh, without Brown, he faded, um, so that you know, we'll see Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley in the games where Julio missed last year was actually better. You know he that's was. where he got, got most of his production. So most people think Calvin Ridley can handle it, but you know we'll see if if a team is you know we'll see what happens all season. Kyle Pitts is obviously there, so that's another wrinkle. But um, yeah, I, I, I typically give me the only game in town. Um, once in a while, that comes back to bite you where he the guy really did need the uh, you know the extra guy to be a decoy. I think it's better. Have decent decoys, like like I think it's like Terry McLaurin's in a perfect situation. I think because he can get the volume, but he's still got Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, who aren't going to like threaten his role, but they're decent. They can't just ignore those guys, and I think that's the ideal one. You know, I think Allen Robinson's going to get a ton of work. His I think his the other guys are a little light for him. He doesn't have quite as much. Uh, I think he'll be able to handle it, but. You want like a little bit on the other side, but nobody it's actually challenging your, your role as a target hog. Yeah.
1: Another interesting situation is Tennessee. AJ Brown's, you know, the top incumbent guy, but they brought in Julio Jones who, you know, has been the target guy for the longest time. Could Tannehill make Julio his favorite or, and and they run the ball so frequently with Derrick Henry. Are there, are there enough targets to go around? Are you worried about AJ Brown's target share now?
2: No. Um, I had Brown at like number 2 or 3 when uh before Jones signed. But uh I'm not really worried. I think Jones could get more targets. Jones could be the 150 and Brown could be the 135 and obviously you'd rather have Brown be the 150, but um it's going to be a very efficient 135. Uh Jones is going to draw a lot of coverage. Uh there's going to be 450 to 500 pass attempts in a in a 17 game season. Henry's going to get his, but um there's really no number 3 that's Relevant, and I think that uh, I think there's going to be enough for both guys. So no, I'm not worried about AJ Brown uh, because of Julio. Uh, I would rather Julio not be there, but uh, I don't think it's going it, to. It maybe takes AJ Brown to the top three for me, but he's still in the top ten. Okay, okay, good to know.
1: Uh, before we get on to any more topics about this, I want to, a couple more receiver topics I want to discuss with you, including you know second year and third year breakouts. A quick note from our friends at Dynasty Owner. Are you tired of going to the same old fantasy football leagues that get canceled a year after a year or so? If so, Dynasty Owner has your back. Go to DynastyOwner.com. New leagues for the 2021 season are forming now. Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office by incorporating a salary cap and real NFL player salaries for diehard fantasy football fans that want the real GM experience. Dynasty Owner adds a whole new level of strategy. Are you worried that you won't be able to find anyone to play in your league with? Don't worry. Dynasty Owner can help you fill your league with fantasy football enthusiasts like yourself. You won't have to worry about finding enough players. You can choose to start a league, join an existing, or purchase a team from a previous owner. If you're serious about joining the big leagues, go to DynastyOwner.com and start your Dynasty today. We'll talk to the folks from Dynasty Owner uh, either this week or next, uh, coming up soon uh, on the Wednesday podcast here. Uh, But just big thanks to them for sponsoring us today. Uh, Okay. Second year breakouts. That's a trendy thing, Chris. Uh, and I kind of buy into the, the notion here. Uh, is that I, I kind of want to get your take on you know, timing and finding guys that are breakouts that maybe not uh, didn't produce the year before. Because let's face it, if you're just going after after the previous year, you're never going to find everything that you want.
2: Yeah, you got to you got to find. I mean, the biggest profit centers in any fantasy sport was, you know, baseball and pitchers or or football or basketball, whatever is taking a guy who wasn't especially good last year, who then mm-hmm. is really good this year. Um, that's where you make your profit, right? If he's already good, you know, if you have Justin Jefferson this year, then he's going to be expensive. So you you may make a profit if he's good, or you may break even, which is great in a, with a top pick, but you're never going to make your profit there. So it's always finding out somebody who's, you know, not good and, uh, and becomes good. So I think where, a, f- a fertile place to look is second-year wideouts, and obviously the, the top ones are going to be um, expensive. But you know, like Van Jefferson, Van Jefferson barely got a, a look last year. He was right. very buzzy in camp, but for whatever reason, Jared Goff didn't target him. The offensive line was bad last year. I think Goff was just looking to, at his first looks. He couldn't, you know, go very deep in the reads. The offense didn't move the ball. There just weren't a lot of opportunities. Uh, I think someone's going to be the number three there, right? Uh, Cup and Cup and Woods are there, but. Um that number three is open and it could be Jefferson. It could be um Tyler Higby, who I think is gonna be pretty good and worth drafting. But somebody with Stafford there is gonna be very productive. And what if Woods or Cup gets hurt? Cup's been hurt a bunch. You know, you have serious upside for Van Jefferson. So that's kind of my guy as a sleeper. Um Henry Ruggs didn't do much. He was good on a per play basis. Are they gonna finally you know get him the ball? Jalen Rieger is another guy. Second year was hurt a lot last year. First round pick. Everyone's drafting Devonta Smith, but Rieger could easily be the number one guy. Um, you know, all those all those guys from last year that didn't really make it. I mean, Denzel Mims, right? Like, they signed Corey Davis. They draft Elijah Moore. They're, they don't really like Denzel Mims, but you can get him for free with your last pick usually. So sometimes guys like that just come out of nowhere. Remember Tyler Boyd, who's actually year three, but, like, we left Tyler Boyd for dead, and yep. suddenly he was good. You know, these receivers year two, year three, they sometimes get it. Brian Edwards of the Raiders another one. There's tons of of receivers from last year that just weren't, you know, weren't great, uh, but still have roles. And, uh, you know, you drafted Pittman. That's another one Um, you can.
1: And you can treat like Paris Campbell, his teammate, as a second year guy because he played like one game last year. And so he never really got that chance. That's another guy. And of course, we want to see what he's like coming back from the major knee injury, too, though.
2: Yeah. So all those all those guys that haven't done much, that have some skill um, that were, you know, highly drafted, uh, I mean Van Jefferson was a second round pick. They they talked him up. He was the talk of camp. He was the Elijah Moore of last year's camp, although it was more like training camp, which is actually more important than mini camp. And then they just never really used him. So um he might have been banged up. I can't remember, but anyway, yeah. Just just look look for those cheap second year receivers when you're, you know, toward the end of your draft.
1: Yep. Yeah. And and look and then also, I think rookies can be a source of profit too. Justin Jefferson probably was drafted and then dropped. Is he wasn't used much in the first couple of weeks. Then he, he finally got, he got a little bit of a look, and that that his his value took off. And then obviously he was a huge source of profit for you this year. I mean, granted, you, you had like draft contemporary Jalen Rieger, who wasn't much of a profit, and Henry Ruggs wasn't at all. Uh, so I mean it can go in any different way. Jerry Judy was kind of eh, okay, hard to rely uh, on hard to rely on. Very, very, very difficult. Speaking of guys that weren't targeted in the red zone last year that much. Uh that that and of course bad quarterback play is part of the problem there too. And that that's a lot of times you get these teams that are drafting rookie wide receivers and they get drafted on teams where the running backs are, I mean, where the quarterbacks quarterback play is really bad. And that's a, that's a constant threat too.
2: Yeah. I mean, Denver's tough because there's so many guys and the quarterbacks are bad and it's just a, it's just a tough situation. Like I, I'll draft Judy because there's ceiling. Cortland Sutton has ceiling. No fan has a ceiling, but I mean, it's just too many mouths to feed it, you know, with a bad passing offense. And they really needed to trade for Rogers or Deshaun Watson or somebody because I just don't think Locke and Bridgewater, I just, maybe Bridgewater, you know, Bridgewater supported Robbie Anderson and, and, uh, DJ Moore last year. So maybe he can just be competent enough to, uh, feed those receivers.
1: Yeah, that's right. Maybe that, that's the case. How about this year's rookie crop? I mean, Jamar Chase is getting drafted first among me. He was the first draft. He's got Joe Burrow. It seems like that's a pretty good setup there. Devonte Smith, we don't know how well he's going to do in Philly. Uh, you know, we don't even know who if it's if it really is going to be if they trade for Watson or anything like that. But uh, we don't know. Who, otherwise, you know, there's questions still at quarterback there uh, whether they can handle it. And finally, uh, Jalen Waddle, who you know he's he's drafted the same area as these guys, but he he's going way later than those other two.
2: Yeah. So. I'm just assuming it's hurts, right? I mean, like why, I mean, a rumor of a Watson trade just seems so far fetched. Like the guy yes. may be suspended for the whole year. We don't know, you know, what the deal is with the, what actually happened. I say this on the XM every time I don't weigh in on accusations one way or the other. We're not a court of law. We're not, you know, trial by Twitter, trial by podcast is really dumb. There's reasons that there's due process. There's reasons where there's protections, um, but they're going to find out one way, the, one way or the other. And it could be, it could go against them. You know, we don't know, or it could be settled. Um, but just, you know, given the, the PR situation, even I, I just I find it very hard to believe that, you know, that the Eagles are going to trade him and uh, give up their promising young quarterback and deal with a suspended guy for when. I mean, maybe I, I guess, you know, they could say, OK, we'll just write this year off. And let's say Deshaun Watson suspended for half the year, or all the year. And they're like, OK, 2022, we've got a top quarterback, um, maybe. But it just seems far fetched to me. I'm just assuming Hertz is their guy. Hertz showed some promise. I mean, why not stick with him? And, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Devonta Smith is the guy people are drafting in the seventh round. He was a superstar at college, and uh, he's a little slight. He's six feet 170, which is a very low uh, body mass index for a wide receiver. Usually the guys who are 185, 190, are, are 5'10. They're like Tyreek Hill. You, you got right. a guy who's two inches taller and 15 pounds lighter. That is a skinny dude and you know nfl's rough it's it's not you know you know marquise brown really can't get a lot of target share deshaun Jog- jackson was a great player but he got hurt a lot and never got a lot of target share cuz he's just too light so smith is going to be yeah. an interesting test of that he, he's about as as you know as slightly built as i've ever seen for like somebody who's a, a big time wide receiver
1: yeah that's right that's right uh let's move on to tight end uh we we can go over to the individual rookies later on uh, you know we got Every week we're going to be uh, talking every Monday here. So we're just going to kind of move on. Generally tight ends, uh, it's its usually considered a, a risk to draft rookie tight ends. Usually they they don't do much the rookie year. There are some exceptions here and there, but they usually don't go off. They also usually don't get drafted high in by NFL teams. Kyle Pitts, a lot of people are projecting him to break that mold. He was drafted in the top five by the Falcons. He's not your traditional tight end. He's going to line up outside a lot. Uh, what's your take on
2: Kyle Pitts? I mean, I'm not a college football guy, so I don't really know. I watched some highlights just because I was curious. Um, mm-hmm. He looked good, but it was really hard to tell. I mean, it just seemed so easy. There was just open, quarterback threw it up, and he would kind of grab it from people. Um, my take is that uh, when, you, when you're when you told that this guy is the generational best tight end prospect of all time, um, believe it. You know, I, I don't think it's one of those like, oh, well, Sam Bradford, oh, number one QB Sam Bradford. Or, you know, there's always like, the best QB in the class, they'll start to hype up. Oh, Sam Darnold, he could go number one, you know, he's a top QB. And then you actually realize, no, he's just like one of the top QBs for this particular year who happens to be, but Kyle Pitts, like there's nobody disputing that. This is like the best number one tight end ever. And he went fourth overall, which tight ends never do. And nobody's disputing it. You know, when LeBron James came out of high school, they were like, Oh, this is like the sickest prospect ever. And he was, and he exceeded it. And not everybody turns out that way, but, you know, we're not just talking about the best guy of this year's crop. We're talking about the best tight end prospect of all time. And so, you know, the size speed specs are there, the college productions there, the comps are Calvin Johnson. uh, And so I'll take him, you know, in that second tier, that Hawkinson um, Andrews tier. I know he goes a little bit ahead of that in the NFBC. I got him when he slipped to the sixth and one. And I think, you know, that's correct. I think I don't, I don't know if we can put him in the Kelsey uh, Kittle tier yet, but um, I, I think it's worth the gamble. I mean, I think it, by week three, we could all say, why weren't we taking this guy in the third round? It's ridiculous. He's dominating. Um, but I think, in my opinion, like, we'll see with Trevor Lawrence, quarterback's a little more complex. But with a guy like Pitts, like, I expect him to be really, really good, like right away. I don't, uh, to me, it's like, I don't, I do if it's a generational guy, I don't doubt it. It's not like, they. maybe people throw around that word a little bit, but you know, they weren't saying this about OJ Howard, who was a big tight end prospect. Yeah. Uh, they,
1: he was close. They, they did love him, but never this. Well, Hawkinson didn't. was draft,
2: you know, eighth overall yeah. or something, you know, but they, there was never this hype for Hawkinson or Howard that there right. is for Pitts. I, and you know, I, I guess sometimes it's fake, but I, I feel like every year we deal with this, you know, and you know, Vlad Guerrero in baseball, took quite a while, it took three years, but like, it was, it's real. Like he's the guy he's supposed to be too bad if you drafted in the last couple of years, but if you have him this year. You know, some of these guys, Tatis, Acuna, they're the guy they're supposed to be. This is the, the hype is yeah. justified. This isn't, you know, this isn't fake. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes there's injuries or something prevents it. But um, I, I'm just going to take it at face value and draft him accordingly. Tight ends, generally, you're not big on
1: taking the early one. I've noticed. You, you I don't see you taking Kelsey. I don't see you taking Waller. You did take George Brittle, as you like to call him, in the brittle. Vegas
2: league. I took brittle um, the third, yeah.
1: That was that was an early pick. That was an early investment there. Um, In fairness to you, you didn't have your cheat sheet in front of you. Probably might not. You
2: might not have taken him. But you also I might have taken Mahomes. I might have taken Mahomes. I forgot about quarterbacks because I didn't have a cheat sheet. But I also felt. I should take him from Dalton. That's, just uh, not I, that's
1: exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. Is you're depriving him, picking one spot ahead of him in that draft, yeah. in person no less too. That's all. Yeah. all the better. But uh, typically, what's your take on tight ends? And what about this year's pool?
2: Um, I like to get. Uh, I like that. And I like Mark Andrews. I like Pitts. I like Hawkinson a little bit. Um, I like that tier. I feel like I feel like where you get Waller, and you did the same thing, and you're uh, beat Jeff Erickson. You passed on Waller for AJ Brown. Mm -hmm. And when you're, when you're looking at Waller or Kittle, you're passing on like a really good wide receiver usually. And it's, it's tough for me to do that. Um, I, I like Gronk a lot this year. I like Higby. Um, Deeper, I like Gerald Everett as a flyer because he's, you know, the guy in Seattle now. Uh, But I, I feel like I can draft the tight ends in any part. I don't like taking Kelsey. I could see maybe if you're at at pick 12, but I'd still rather go Adams Hill or if Adams has gone to Hill and Diggs or Hill and Metcalf, um, Hill and Hopkins, I, I just, I don't like the build at the tight end. I know Kelsey was so valuable last year because the difference between him and like I know Waller was pretty good, and then the different him like tight end three or even tight end five was like so cavernous that it was a huge advantage to have Kelsey last year, and and that was just a fact. And people won because they took him, but that was last year, right? Like, what if Andrews has a good year and Pitts has a monster year and Kittle stays healthy and you know someone else like Goddard, you know, has a lot of targets and fan break you know then it won't be that way it was just that way last year and i think you know people took jp jt real muto for the same reason in baseball they're like jt real muto that's the hugest advantage you could possibly have i'm taking that guy in the third round well it's not this year it's not you know so no it isn't don't don't draft over you know off of last year's especially if you know it's one thing if like the game has changed in a certain way sun's come out um it's one thing if the game's changed in a certain way and then the, the style of drafting has now changed to match the game. And you're like, no, we just have to do this because the game is now this way. But if it's just like a positional fluke where, you know, none of the other tight ends are any good for one particular year, to me, that's not a good reason to draft Kelsey. I, I you know, he's a first-round pick if he does the same thing. Plus, he's, you know, same age as Gronk, 32. And I don't know. He's probably gonna be good for another year, but I, I'm I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take him in the first round, and you know, by this time, and I probably even take like BetCalf over him. So I'm not even gonna take him in the early second round. So I'm just not getting Kelsey. I don't think. How about the opposite side of the coin? Are you
1: comfortable waiting on tight end until after, tenth round or later?
2: I, I can do. I mean, if Gronk is there, I love that. So I, yeah, I'm totally comfortable. Although in my league now, someone's gonna take him just to get me. Uh, Higby's good. Um, you know, I'm not a Tanyan guy, but now with Rogers back that's fine. Um, yeah, I'm totally comfortable waiting on tight end and and taking a couple of them and hoping one of them pans out. But I, I find myself usually in round five, uh, getting Mark Andrews. Usually if there's nothing that slips to me that I like, I'm like, all right, you know, it's always the, the cowardly punt play, right? Where you take the QB or the tight end, you're like, all right, I don't really want to, I don't really love any of these running back receivers here. I'm not going to take miles Gaskin or Mike Davis. So, all right, screw it. I'll take a tight end. And you know, it's a good tight end. So you're like, all right, I've, it's like taking a closer or catcher. It's like, okay, fine. That's not cowardly. That's just using what the draft, taking what the draft gets you. Gives right. You. But, I mean, it, but it's, no, it, it's cowardly and, and, and I'm guilty of it all the time because you're not making You're not willing to make a choice at the scarce position at the, at the receiver and the running back. You're not like, you're not willing to say, okay, which one of these chase Edmonds, Mike Davis guys, am I going to, invest in you're like i don't want to deal with this problem it's too it's too stressful i don't i don't like it i don't trust any of these guys so give me the a, a different position it's just punting really
1: yeah yeah it, it could be it, it could be viewed as that but you know it's funny how we were talking i was talking about this on the sunday show with bob harris joined uh, jim coventry and i and there's always that one little lull in the draft like fifth sixth seventh round where you don't like anybody and then later on you love people you're yeah. like oh yeah give me this Antonio Brown in the eighth. I love it. You know, give me that, you know, but there, there's that one law where you're like, uh, I guess I'll take the QB. I guess I'll take the tight end. It's really true. And it happens in almost every sport.
2: Yeah. It's because it's still expensive in those rounds. They're not sleepers. Like you actually need them to do well for you. You're not just right. like, ah, oh, whatever. I'll take a flyer. But, um, but yeah, so they're, they're still expensive. So you need like a flyer, but like, it's not a good deal. It's like, if it were an auction, there'd be a gap, right? There'd be like, okay, the first four guys, first four and a half rounds are expensive. And then there'd mm-hmm. be a big drop off, but you don't get a drop off. You don't get to do it. Drafts are incrementally $1 or half a dollar less each pick or, you know, 10 cents less each pick. Um, and so it's like an auction that you are forced to spend more than you want on a pick because, because yep. that's what a draft is. It's an auction with forced slots. And so you, like, oh, I have to spend this much and you don't want, you know, normally you'd want to, you know, your top four guys and then, save up for cheaper picks later get you know you'd rather have three or four eighth or ninth round picks uh th- and no sixth round pick rather than one of each uh and so uh it just is what it is but yeah everybody has the same problem too
1: yeah and real nfl teams have that problem you know it might be the second or third round and they trade down for a couple of fifths you know and they you know trading down is one fran- done done well for franchises because the player costs less to also uh, there's a smaller signing bonus, it, you know, of course, that it fits against their cap and all that. So they have the constraints that we don't have, but it, they, they're able to leverage that better because of that, too. Uh, and they, yet they also know everyone's got their guy. It's it's kind of tricky. Uh, before we sign off today, two questions. Uh, we we'll, we always we will try to hit questions at the end of the show. See uh, answers. Uh, trade question. PPR league. Full point PPR, Chris. I'm making you a- answer questions. I know it's not your favorite thing, but we're going to do it here a couple times. Gaskins, Lamb, and Kirk for Chark, Devonta Smith, Devonte Smith, and
2: Drake. Which side would you prefer? The Lamb side. Always take the yep. best player. Just uh, agreed. You know, I was in those multi.
1: And I also like Gaskins over Drake too.
2: So, yeah, it's, it's easy. Yeah, uh,
1: so there, easy question. See, but a lot of times
2: people do this. They 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 ask you a question about a trade that they're offering. That they're never going to get this trade done because the other guy's going to be like, Hell no, I'm not doing that trade. They're right, like, right, right. First they ask you, then they offer it, then it gets rejected, and you've just wasted your time. Go or
1: ahead. they've already done the trade. That's the other thing I've seen a lot right. of time. Well, that's at
2: cool. least like you know, at least it's something, but the ones that never even happen because you know it's, it's not even a fair trade. So he's like, Okay, I'll offer, I'll go and offer that.
1: Yeah. All right. This is a more of a general question. This is more in your wheelhouse. Chris asks running back is a young man's position, any rookie or younger running backs you're higher on, and with an extra game now, any effect on your strategy.
2: Yeah, these are better questions uh, rather than something specific to your particular league. Uh, you know, I, I don't know because this is Dalton's guy, but like Trey Sermon, you know, the, the buzz was good on him. Moser's mm-hmm. not durable. There's not really a starter there. There's not really someone you can say is a starter. And the running game is always really good there. The system is really good for running back. So Trey Sermon's a guy that I would uh, invest in. Um, and Travis Etienne, you and I talked about him. You drafted him. I just think, you know, we don't know what the split's going to be. But based on where they took him, his rapport with Trevor Lawrence and just the physical and uh, production, you know, the physical skills and the, the college production, it's like that guy could easily win you your league easily. And so, you know, would it surprise you if Mike Davis was a top five pick next year? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Would it surprise you if Josh Jacobs was a top five pick next year? Probably. Yeah. yeah.
1: Although if you asked me that question a year ago, I would have said no.
2: Yeah. But this year, now that you know yeah. more, right, because he was right. supposed to catch passes last year and all that. Okay. Would it surprise you uh, if Travis Etienne was, you know, a top five pick? Of course not. He's like, obviously the guy that in 2022 could be 1.1 and Trevor Lawrence is good. The offense is good. It's a, it's one of the best teams. They, you know, he caught 60 passes as a rookie and he's, you know, dominated down the stretch. I mean, this is the easiest thing to imagine. So how likely is that? Maybe it's 30%, you know, whatever. But like, if you have like a big likelihood that this guy's in the top five next year, you got to draft him in round three and round four. You got to take him. And, and he's been round four, but um, I think he's going to start creeping up because it's just, it, again, I don't know what his role is. I could be totally, you know, I may get him and regret, you know, not taking a receiver there or something, but um, it's so easy to see how he'd be a league winner. I agree. Finally, in the second part of that
1: question, extra game, is that, how's that affecting your strategy with running backs or any, anything
2: else? Um, I, I think it was we had uh what do we have on it was uh oh it was Scott Fish was on and he was saying, and I, I it made sense I hadn't really thought of it this way but just it's just one more game but it just means the committee guys are getting a little more work yeah because you know maybe Tony Pollard gets a few extra carries because you know they know it's an extra game they got to keep these guys healthy for, and so, um, just yeah the guys who are like just slightly below below the threshold of being interesting because their roles a little smaller than you prefer. You know maybe bump them up a little bit like AJ Dillon, you know, is, is one of those guys just not going to catch a lot of passes. But I think with 17 games and Aaron Jones never getting a huge workload, like AJ Dillon is going to get a, a you know 200 carries this year, and I think that helps him. And if there was you know one fewer game, they might when the game's tight, like you know, push Aaron Jones a little harder. But I think maybe things like that where they'll, they'll give the backup a little more work.
1: Yep, yep, I think you're right about that. I think that's going to definitely be a thing. Um, uh, I think. Yeah, you know, we already have kind of an established platoon with uh, Chubb and, and Hunt. I don't think that changes. It's some of these other teams where it's a little less, it's not really a platoon. It's more of a uh, definitely a one and a two. It's going to be more like one A and one B. I think it'll be closer to that, you know, where it's it's clear that the, the, the second back gets work. Now we'll get a little bit more work. It'll be more like instead of 64, instead of like 70 30, it'll be like 65, 35, 60, 40. Uh, as far as the split goes.
2: Yeah. I mean, and yeah, that's right. And, and I think Dylan's the perfect guy for that. That's like the perfect one. Like it will, it would be a backup situation. Now it's going to be a one, a one B. Yep. There you go. There you go.
1: All right. That's going to wrap it up. Good questions, people. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks for winbet.com for sponsoring us. Let's get more States on that ledger there. Get California going. Come on, California, fight the, fight the uh, local interests here so we can get uh, some, some sports betting here. That would be nice. But not anytime soon probably. The, us in Arizona are going to be like the last two states, I think. Uh so so it goes.
2: I can bet in Portugal though, that's so fine.
1: Yeah, so it's fine. There you go. Not in the NFL probably. Or could you?
2: Yeah, I think you can. I, I it, they look kind of dingy the places that I would go so I don't do it, but I can. Yeah. yeah. I want online sports betting. That's what I want. Yeah, Just doing it from my house.
1: All right, thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back again next week. God knows who what well, who and what we'll talk about, but listen, I'll be here. It'll be the intra-county edition, again, of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.
3: The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare.